0: Let's turn to Romans chapter three to start with, and then we're going to shoot an arrow into the heart of the gospel from there. Kind of did a lead in for this on Sunday. Dave, I won't be sad that I came here tonight, tomorrow, and uh, pray for You're driving tonight, right, to pray for him. He's driving to Baltimore starting at 730. So he's not staying for my message. Even though I waited all through, I, you know, listen to your own message. Okay, we're going to call this the grace, speaking of grace, the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, and, or we could call it arrow to the heart of the gospel. And we'll start with Romans chapter three, verse 10. As the scripture puts it, there is no one righteous, not even one. And this is where the arrow is launched. There is not one who understands. No one seeks for God. All of them have turned aside at the same time. This is the word that we emphasized on Sunday morning, hama. It's found in the Septuagint translation of Psalm 14, 1 to 3, where Paul is quoting, and it also is Psalm 53, one to three, there is a what is called by commentaries a catena of verses, which is sort of a cascade of verse after verse after verse. The Hebrew writer is famous for that, the writer to the epistle of Hebrews, Paul also, in showing the radical incapacity of all of humanity and therefore the need for the unconditional grace of God, the pure. Grace of God and the faithfulness of Christ so notice this there's not one who understands no one who seeks for God this is not Paul speaking this is the result of Yahweh's survey where he looked down upon the children of men the sons of men that's all humankind at one time and one fell swoop he sees the whole of humanity as turning away from him the one who gave them Their existence in the first creation turning away all at once and at the same time they have become depraved and that speaks of their radical incapacity which is good news for us because radical incapacity eradicates deserving or the ability to in any way deserve or participate in any way in our own salvation or even in its appropriation. And so there is no one who acts kindly, he says, not a single one. I backed that up with Ecclesiastes 720, which also may be applicable here. It says, indeed there isn't a righteous one. That's speaking of the first creation, the Adamic ontology, or all people in Adam in all of humanity. There isn't a righteous one. The Hebrew has Zadik. And that means the righteous one. We've studied the righteous one as Jesus Christ Himself, however, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 17, 1 Peter 3:18, 1 John 2 1 and 2, many other passages identify him as the righteous one who died for the unrighteous. If there's no righteous one in this first creation of mankind, Then there has to be a righteous one who comes in from above. The heavenly man is what Paul calls him in First Corinthians 15, and he is is through his fidelity that we have salvation. So Ecclesiastes says there isn't a righteous one. The Hebrew again is sadik, and there is a conferring here. At least I see one to Habakkuk chapter two verse four which is the thesis verse, the thesis prophetic verse for Paul's gospel. Paul's gospel is a a declaration of a divine invasion into the present evil age to rescue unconditionally all of humanity and all of creation. That's the gospel. That's a gospel that's always also called an apocalypse, a breaking in by God, Something related to divine action and not human action. In, indeed, Ecclesiastes seven twenty agrees with Psalm fourteen one to three and Psalm fifty three one to three. There isn't a righteous man. The word righteous is sadik. The word man is adam. Adam, interestingly, and the phonetic is a little more like this adam. There isn't a righteous person in adam. We could say. There isn't a single righteous person in the first creation. But if any man is in Christ, as Dave's message alluded to, there's the new creation. The new creation is called into being by means of the gospel. The gospel isn't something you take home and think about. The gospel happens to you like it happened to Paul in on the edge of Damascus, which we'll do a lot more talking about. And so, He goes on to say, so let's put it this way. Indeed, there isn't a righteous one, a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. I love that because there's not a righteous man, Adam, on earth. There is not a righteous person in Adam on earth. The first man is from the earth and he is Dusty, we could call them as, as Paul says in first 1 Corinthians 1545, but the second man is from heaven, the Lord from heaven. It takes an action from an entity outside of this creation. The gospel is an apocalypse. It is a revelation of God. There's nothing to compare it to in the first creation. The new creation is so spectacularly different from, the first creation, that God calls it into being by the gospel of Jesus Christ. This will also be explained as we go in our study. So that's precisely because there isn't a righteous one or a righteous Adam on earth. This is precisely why the man from heaven enters the present evil age. He alone is the righteous one, the Zadiq. His fidelity alone, made effective by love. Galatians two twenty, Galatians five six, his fidelity alone, made effective by love, is the means of our salvation. And by our salvation I mean the salvation of all the unrighteous, of all the ungodly for whom Christ died. First Peter three eighteen, the right the unrighteous. Romans five six, he died for the ungodly, while all of humanity was still in a state of intractable, irreconcilable hostility. Christ died. He loved me. He gave himself for me. I don't frustrate the grace of God. And so we have that again. When I say salvation or our salvation, I mean the salvation of all the unrighteous for whom he is the propitiation for sins. 1 Peter 3.18, 1 John 2.1. Now, the arrow that is shot from Romans 3 goes over a whole array of verses, which we'll get to. But I want to show you that many times Paul is thinking ahead and he's shooting ahead. Let's consider this an arrow f- fired from 3.12 to 512 of Romans. Watch how this goes. We entertained the question on Sunday morning. When did all at the same time turn away? The answer, all turned away when Adam turned away. So we were all included in him as a single inclusive representative. When he turned away, we all turned away. So we obviously have here a an Adam slash Christ anthropology to deal with an Adam Christ Christology to deal with because what the first man Adam brought about which is the reign of sin and death the second man Adam destroyed that enslavement so watch how this the arrow here's where the arrow hits the fire striker shoots the arrow And we may shoot an arrow over the next array of verses all the way to 512, and I've translated it this way. Because of this, just as by one man, sin entered into the world, and through sin. Now, just for note-takers, and just for your own benefit, I would like you in our Romans treatment to capitalize the word sin, because it is... Being revealed in Paul as a power as a power that controls as a power that enslaves, so it 's almost personified i 'd also like you to uh, capitalize death. These are kind of like players in a drama. Death is also personified in revelation, the last enemy that shall be destroyed. enemy is a personification is death in first corinthians fifteen twenty six so I've capitalized, in my translation, both sin and death. So here it has Because of this, just as by one man, and we know who that one man is, his name is Adam. Just as by one man, sin entered into the world, the cosmos, the universe, all of humanity and all of creation. Sin entered into the world, and through sin, death Remember mankind and all creation is under enslavement to two supra human powers from which it cannot extract itself. That's why all creation is groaning, waiting for the deliverance or waiting for the liberation, waiting for the transformation, the full glorification of the sons of God, at which time it will enter into that glorious freedom of the children of God. That's at the parousia of Christ. But it's already begun. And it's been inaugurated. Because of this, just as by one man, sin entered into the world, and through sin, death. And in this way, death passed into the whole human race. In whom all sinned. In whom Adam, that is, all sinned. Death passed into the whole human race through one man. Adam. In whom all sinned now you may not have that translation in your bible but i put it that way for two reasons i opt for the translation in whom all sinned for two reasons first the meaning of f ho e ph and then ho f ho make that a omega o eph and then ho in the transliteration That's what we find in the Greek text. ho can be translated either as at the time when he, that is the one man sinned, or because of whom. So the sense of either or both of these meanings squares with in Adam, all sinned when he sinned. All sinned when he sinned. So when did all the sons of men turn away? How could they have done that at one time if there are... The mankind appears in a sequence of generations. How can God view all the human races having turned aside at once and at the same time, unless all the human race was included in the one man, Adam? And that's exactly what happened. But that sets us up for all the human race being transferred into the second man, Christ. We're getting to the heart of the gospel God's invasion into this evil age to rescue unconditionally radically incapacitated humanity and enslaved creation a cosmic invasion is nothing short of what the gospel is the gospel is nothing short of a divine mission into the cosmos a divine invasion into the cosmos to deliver the universe of proportionate being and among that, humanity especially. So again, let's look at 5, 512. The arrow begins to hit here. Because of this, just as by one man, sin entered into the world. And so it was by that one man's sin that all turned away together in the same time in Romans 312, alluding to Psalm 14, 1-3, 53, 1-3. And through sin, death. And in this way, death passed into the whole human race. In whom in whom in Adam all sinned. The sense of either of these then reveals that all sinned when Adam sinned. So all turned away when Adam turned away. Adam turned away from a direct divine command. His was a violation of a direct divine command. Our sin is not necessarily like his sin, but we're going to see the law of dissimilarity coming into this, and we'll hit it tonight and maybe tomorrow night, but look for possible cancellations. We don't know what the weather's going to bring tomorrow. You can all interview Tony before he gets out the door, say what's happening tomorrow, because he knows meteorologically what's going to happen. So, Second reason I opt for this translation is because it connects with the point that was made in Romans 3:12 that all of the human race whom Yahweh surveyed Psalm 14:1 to 3 53:1 to 3 are declared to have all together and at the same time Hama, turned away from him meaning they turned away from the God who gave them their existence in the first creation. Now, this is shocking because when you get to Galatians, and Paul is not making a legal case, a judicial case by Galatians, not at all. He's actually repreaching the gospel that he preached to them at first, which they defected from in order to do a second time what he did the first time sweep them off their feet with the gospel of Jesus Christ because they defected. When he addressed them, it was shocking. Because he said, I marvel, I'm appalled, Paul appalled, that you have so soon turned away from him who called you. He pictures all these three Galatian assemblies. One is in Ancyra, one is in Tavium, and another is in Pessinus, three northern Galatian churches in northern Turkey. He said, you have so soon turned away from him who called you. The one who called them was God. He called them into existence as part of the new creation. The church has been called into existence. God is the God who calls things into existence that did not exist and who raises the dead. You as the church have been called by the gospel into existence as a new creation and into existence as the eschatological proleptic People of God, which one day will be universally all of humanity dwelling with God. That goes into ecclesiology. We're dealing tonight, if you want to get theological, with Hamardiology, the study of sin. We're dealing tonight with anthropology, the study of mankind, the study of Adamic mankind, the study of mankind in Christ. We're dealing with ecclesiology, the study of the church, the body of Christ, the corporate Christ. We're dealing with theology. What kind of God is God? Who is God? Is God a God of retributive justice or is God a God of limitless, unshakable benevolence? We're dealing with angelology as we will in Galatians 1, 8, and 9. Paul says, even if an angel from heaven preaches to you, and I'll explain that, interpret that for the first time in my ministry, I've seen what that means. Angelology, there's demonology, there's Satanology, there's bibliology, which is the study of the Bible itself, its inspiration, its authority, and its use for lower blade data. All of these things, in fact, I might take a segment out and teach theology to you in eight, eight different branches of theology as Paul in Paul, and I think you'll find that rather informative, if not transformative. So Paul... To the Galatians declares expressly how appalled he is that they have so quickly turned away from God who called them in the grace of Christ, or who gave them existence as the new creation that's exactly what they did when they listened to fake good news. there is good news, and there is fake good news, which the teachers brought got a. Gospel. They called it a glad tidying, a gospel. It wasn't a gospel at all. And it was fake news, fake good news. There's fake news and there's real news. You really have to sort that out for yourself. And you can't be told which is which by the news or by politicians. You have to sort it out. You have to be discerning. But all the more, you have to be discerning about just what is the gospel and just what is the false gospel. Paul is astonished that they removed themselves from the God who called them into existence as the new creation and defected to another gospel. That's sort of like what happened with all mankind turning away from God who gave them their first existence in the new in the old creation. And now he says you're doing the same thing. Against the one who called you into the new creation. It's it's intended to be earth shaking. It's intended to be seismic under them and shake them and shake the world under them because they've entered into another thing altogether that's not the gospel. And they did it through Christian missionaries Christian Jewish missionaries. Paul's a Christian Jewish missionary, but he's got a different gospel it's called an apocalyptic revelation of Jesus Christ all of this is going to come in to clarity more and more as i continue the study which i think the lord has directed me and all of us into better call paul you can call saul i'll call paul now the gospel is the power of salvation, Romans 1.16. And it is the persuasiveness that elicits faith. It is the persuasiveness that evokes faith in the hearers. That's important evangelism. The gospel, which is the power of salvation and the persuasiveness that elicits Faith elicited faith in the Galatians and they were very happy and overwhelmingly rejoicing for all while Paul was there. And then afterwards, when Paul left instructors there that understood his gospel, they were rejoicing. Paul said, you received me not only as if I were an angel, there's the angelology again, which we'll be dealing with, but even as if I were Christ Jesus himself. And he said, you would have even put out your eyes for me. But where's that blessedness gone? The other gospel takes it away. That's just a reference to Galatians. I'm I'm in a very bizarre position right now in my study, which is usually where I am in my study. And that is teaching Romans while I'm going through the best commentary I've ever found in my life so far on Galatians. It's a very enriching commentary by J. Lewis Martin, you'll curse me for recommending it because it's expensive, but it's, it's worth it. 1997 by Yale University Press. Martin, M-A-R-T-Y-N. He misspelled it, Ricky. But. Now, moreover, this translation, to get back into Romans, squares with Romans 3.23, in which Paul declared simply, in the simple past tense of the aorist, in this case, all sinned all sinned and have fallen short or lack that glorious freedom of the children of God in Romans 3:20 all 23 all sinned when adam sinned just as all turned away at the same time and all together when adam turned away so we're born into this world in our first birth under sin and under enslavement to death and all our lives. We live in many cases under different forms of the fear of death. Someone says, I'm not afraid of dying. Well, do you have any fears? Well, I have a fear of heights. I don't, I have a fear. I don't have a fear of heights. I do have a fear of falling from heights because you know what that is. It's a fear of death. There's a fear of death. There's many things that people fear. In fact, every phobia is connected to the fear of death. We're enslaved to the fear of death until we're called into existence as a new creation and have the justification which is life for the ages and the assurance of that life. And so we were born under sin through no fault of our own. And that sets us up for being brought into Christ and delivered through no merit of our own. So all sinned when Adam sinned, all in Adam are therefore lacking the glorious freedom of the sons of God or their complete true humanity because they're enslaved to the power of sin, capital S I N and its result, death all sin. are under sin, and sin to Paul is a power, an enslaving power. The gospel is the power of salvation, and therefore it is the power of liberation from that enslavement. The gospel has to happen to you, it has to happen to a person. As an apocalyptic revelation in their life, which, as Dave said, may be a shocking one to some people or it may be a quiet realization that they're in Christ, that they've been transferred into Christ, that God has invaded their lives and liberated them from slavery to fear and given them a filial affection for God by sending the Holy Spirit into their heart, crying, Abba, Father. A slavish fear is replaced by a filial, familial affection for God. It's a phenomenal thing. It may be realized gradually. It may not be realized in this life. But it will be realized by all. The whole anthropology of Adam and Christ, or the first protos, as he's called, the first Adam, and the last, eschatos Adam. Jesus is called eschatos Adam he's called deuteros anthropos the second man why is there only a first and a second man because all of humanity dies in the first man all of humanity is made alive in the second man for as in Adam all die so in Christ all will be made alive first Corinthians fifteen twenty two applied to resurrection So the whole anthropology of Adam and Christ or the first and the last Adam is what is being brought in here in Romans chapter five existence, otherwise known as ontology existence, otherwise known as ontology in the first Adam is existence in the first creation in Christ. You can never go back to what you were. By the first creation. There is no male or female. And that is male or female should be in quotes. Going back to Genesis 127. What Galatians 3.28 is saying is you're a new creation. You can't go back to the old creation. The old measurements. The old identity. It's not there anymore. It's impossible for you to ever be that again. So you have to kind of get reeducated, And have you've entered into a different altogether conceptual world. I think the Holy Spirit tried to train us in this by revelation. Revelation is a metaphorical symbolic world. And by living in it for four and a half years, I think we began to understand what it's like to be in Christ. And it's a totally different set of concepts that we have to get used to and transformed by existence. Otherwise known as ontology in the first Adam is existence in the first creation. In Adam, all die, because in Adam, all of humanity has received sin that has passed from him into the world and, I think this is a good word, infected all of humanity. Infected all of humanity. This resulted in death also, Thanatos, as an enslaving power for all our lives in the first creation We are enslaved to the fear of death, Hebrews 2.15. So listen carefully again to this. I'll say it in a different way. I'll approach it with a different sentence. Existence in Christ, or Christ ontology. Existence in Christ, the eschatos man, the last man, constitutes humanity as the eschatological people of God which in the consummation of the coming age that has already inaugurally come will be all of humanity. The church is a proleptic humanity, a kind of first fruits of a universal harvest. Greatly privileged are we to be in Christ now without asking why and without Survival remorse. Why me and not someone else right now? That's not the concern. The concern is the salvation has been wrought for all humanity. So wake up and smell the coffee. All humanity is in Christ and saved. But the gospel has to happen to people to wake them up to it. By the way, that coffee is very energizing. That we smell when we wake up to the new creation. The gospel is the good news that God has invaded the present creation and the present age to rescue unconditionally all of humankind and all of creation from that terrible enslavement. Thus also liberating and transforming them. So Romans five thirteen goes on to say, and it helps us out. Each verse drops a lens a little, makes the vision closer and closer to 2020 for sin, was in the world before the law. The gospel of the teacher in Rome or the teachers in Galatia was a a law gospel. It had to do with adherence to the letter of Torah and justification by the works of the law, which you could only be sure of on the final judgment day. Not a good news. Tell me that's good news, I'll tell you. No, it isn't. I'd say that's fake good news. But Paul says this, interestingly, the sin was in the world before the law. Now, he goes on to explain the law came through Moses, but the sin came through Adam. So from Adam to Moses, there was sin, but no law. He's he's reasoning here, and this reasoning hurts my head. I can't get into the head of Paul. I can't attain to his level of thought. And I don't think anybody ever has, no matter who you think they are, whether they have the title of Ph.D. or doctor of divinity or whatever, or 10 different degrees. Nobody has ever come up to his thinking because he has the mind of Christ and he had a confrontation with Jesus Christ more dramatic than anyone else in history. But it is a kind of foreview of what's going to happen to everybody at one time or another, at least in the parousia For sin was in the world before the law. But sin is not charged to one's account where there is no law. Now, the teacher would beg to differ. He would say, well, you know, before the law came, pagans looked into the sky and didn't become thankful. They didn't glorify God. So God handed them over to depravity and to cravings and to worship of crocodiles and scarabs and beetles. John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Just seeing if you're awake. So then. Not so. Sin was in the world before the law. Capitalize the law because we're talking about Torah. But sin is not charged to one's account when there is no law. Now sin was charged to Adam's account because there was a definite law to him. You will not eat from the tree or from the fruit of the tree. Of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. That's a direct divine command. And Adam disobeyed it. So sin was charged to him because a law defined his sin. But then death passed into all the human race, and the, there was no law, but there was sin. Verse 14 notice this. Nevertheless, Death reigned. That's why I capitalize death again as a power, because death reigned, R E I G N, reigned or ruled. Death ruled as king from Adam until Moses from Adam, where sin entered into the world, until Moses, when the law entered into the world, even over those whose sin was not like, here's the law of dissimilarity, whose sin was not like the transgression of Adam, who is a prototype of the coming one. Remember, we did a whole study of the coming one, one of the names for the coming Christ. The coming one. Adam is a prototype of the coming one. It's a title as we've seen in the fourth G for Messiah. Verse 15, but the transgression that is of Adam, which was a violation of a direct command, the transgression is not like, meaning it's all out of proportion to the free gift. What Paul is getting at here is that you can't, there's no comparison between the sin that brought death and the act of obedience that brought life. Because sin that came into the whole human race was the result of one man's sin. But grace happened after countless trillions of human sins. When the grace of Jesus Christ came and was obedient to the Father to the extent of death by crucifixion and took away our sins. It's all out of proportion. It's not like it. It's all out of proportion. And this isn't the last time we'll visit these verses. But in verse 15 again, but the transgression, that's Adam's violation of a direct divine command is not like the free gift The free gift, that's the word dorema. Dorema implicates this word, unconditional, free gift. Charisma is another word for gift, and Paul stacks them up here. He's got doria, which is without condition, free. And then he's got charisma, which is the gift bestowed through the grace of Jesus Christ. The transgression of Adam, meaning its results also, is not like the free gift. For as through the one man's transgression, that's transgression of a direct command, the many, here's our word, hoi polloi, the many, which equals all, if you confer with 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty-two and other passages, For as through the one man's transgression, the many died. And Adam all died. The many means all. Much more. So it's all out of proportion here. You can't, it's a law of dissimilarity. Much more the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many much more than the sin of Adam causing death in the many is the obedience of Christ causing life in the many much more. God overwhelmingly extravagantly overpowered the other. You can't compare the two. Much more. This is very, some of the richest phrases in the Bible, much more. The grace of God. That's God. The father's grace And the free gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many times have I cited that and others have cited that in our offertory. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ who though he was rich, became poor for our sakes that we might be made wealthy through his poverty. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is his self chosen self giving love, his faithful obedience to the extent of death on the cross on our behalf, followed by resurrection and enthronement or resurrection, which is his enthronement on our behalf. He was delivered over, handed over for our transgressions, our sins and resurrected for our free deliverance, our liberation, our, justification not the right word there but one anyways that we'll use so i love this verse it's loaded and there's so many phrases it's a challenge to translate but here's my translation but the transgression that is of adam is not like the free gift from god for as through the one man's transgression the many that's all died much more the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, another word for his faithfulness, for the faithfulness of Christ, another word for his obedience, overflowed to the many. It more than took over the many, the all. It more than overflowed to all humankind. I think David got a kind of a foretaste of that when he said, He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. And so the grace of God. And the free gift. Abound by the grace of the one man. Jesus Christ. The grace of the one man. Jesus Christ. Listen carefully. Is the grace by which he who was rich. Became poor. He entered into our own. Beggarly condition for our sakes so that we might be rich in him. There's no greater poverty than a man perceived as cursed by God and nailed to a tree. Paul had to go through a remarkable change of thinking because he had always believed that God took the side of the law over a crucified criminal. But he realized that God stands on the side of this crucified criminal who is his son, our Messiah. And that's the scandal of the cross. And he decided that he wouldn't boast in anything, not circumcision or uncircumcision, but a new creation because of the cross of Jesus Christ. In other words. The grace of the one man Jesus Christ. Is his self giving love for us. I was crucified with him. Nevertheless I live. But it's not even me that lives. But Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live. In this mortal human coil. I live by the faithfulness of the son of God. Who loved me me and gave himself for me. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is a synonym for the faithfulness of Christ by which we are gifted with a justification that is life itself. The gift of life removes us from enslavement to death. His gracious action by which he loving us gave himself for us is his faithfulness so that we who were under sin and ruled over by death may be liberated and transformed. It was for freedom that Christ freed us. Is the battle cry of Galatians one. Therefore, don't ever be enslaved again by any yoke of slavery whether it's to sin, to death, or Torah, whether it's to human affiliations over loyalty to Jesus Christ, don't be enslaved. Don't let anything in this life, habits or addictions, control you, have control over you. Believe it or not, you have the power, by grace, to refuse any control over your life. But grace. The grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, is the act of his faithful death and resurrection by which all human beings were embraced by him and included in him. I'll say it again because it's too shocking for religion. It is grace. The grace of the one man, Jesus Christ is the same as the faithfulness of the son of God. More shocking the grace of the one man Jesus Christ is the act of his faithful death and resurrection by which all human beings were embraced by him and included in him. In fact, all creation was embraced by him and included in him. It's a way of speaking of the Christ event. The Christ event takes in his incarnation his life lived in vicarious obedience for us to God, obedience to death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and enthronement. This is the Christ event. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ or the grace of the one man Christ Jesus can be reducible to that event. It is by the grace of God that we have been saved according to Ephesians two eight. And it is through the faithfulness of his Messiah. It is by grace and through the faithfulness of Messiah. Another way of saying that is, it is by the grace of God through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, that we have been saved. And that not of ourselves. If you take that as that salvation not being of ourselves, or that grace not being of ourselves, or that faithfulness not being ourselves, it's all true. None of it's of ourselves. It is you that have made us, said the psalmist in Psalm 100, and not we ourselves. So we enter into your gates with thanksgiving, but we enter into your inner courts with praise. We are your people and the sheep of your pasture. It is you that have made us and not we ourselves. The gospel is the announcement of a divine action. The gospel itself is a persuasiveness that elicits faith. It happens to you. It happens to you. It'll happen to all. So then, in closing, this salvation is a gift from God, just as the grace is from God, and the faithfulness is of Messiah, so that no one may boast. So, as by the gospel... The saving act of God in Christ is being apocalyptically revealed. I can't persuade you of that. I can preach it and proclaim it, and it will happen to you. That apocalypse will happen to you. It will occur to you. It will grip you. It will grasp you. It will change you. Romans 117, as by the gospel, the saving act of God in Christ is being apocalyptically revealed from God's faithfulness to Christ's faithfulness. Now continuing in the church, which is the corporate Christ, which I also still say, and I only see verification of this original revelation or original insight, that eschatological people, that church of God in Christ, that corporate Christ is also known as the Israel of God because God of Israel is our God and the God of Israel is Jesus Christ. So we must be his Israel. And that does not emphatically does not replace Israel as a people or the Jews as a people. It is not a pagan displacement of national Israel. Israel Nationally, Israel, even as a part of the first creation called into existence by God, will receive the mercy of God by which it will be called into the new creation. The Israel of God is not replacement theology. It's just a realization that whenever the church, the body of Christ, is spoken of in Paul's epistles, the idea is that that church is the Israel of God because Jesus Christ is portrayed as Yahweh, the God of God of Israel. That's a remarkable way of understanding Paul's epistles, incidentally. And another book, Christopher Tilling's book on Paul's divine Christology actually tackles that splendidly, fantastically. And it's easier to read than Campbell. So, so in closing again, as by the gospel, and this is repetition for your safety, for your security. By the gospel, the saving act of God in Christ is being apocalyptically revealed from God's faithfulness to Christ's faithfulness, which now continues in the church. We live by the faithfulness of the Son of God. We participate in his faithfulness. So, by the gospel, the free gift of God's deliverance is being apocalyptically revealed from the grace of God through the grace of Christ, for the many. And the many, as we'll see in our next time we hit Romans 5, is interchangeable with everyone, the all of humanity, which turned away at one point. The all of humanity was brought back at one point. And to tell you what that point was, I only have to use one word, tetelestai.